You are on Line of Sight, a War Machine and Hordes podcast for new and experienced players, hosted on the Line of Sight Podcast Network. Line of Sight is proud to host War Machine University, Brawl Machine, and Fallen Corvus, as well as numerous content creators like Field of Fire, Lightbringers, Brawler Bios, Vicarious Competition, Midnight Monpod, and Charge and Spike. You can find our content at loswarmachine.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 220 of Line of Sight. My name is Jaden, and I'm here with Brett. I am here. Yeah, and we're not here with Chandler, which is sad. But we are here with all of our viewers. Yeah, listeners. that's true. We are. Uh, there's, I think, Privateer Press put out like another Orgoth spoiler thingy this week. Um, they also have started shipping the Warcaster Thousand Worlds Kickstarter, which is sweet. And I think on the most recent Primecast, which is also out, uh, they talked about the fact that there's another Requiem Kickstarter coming in a month or two, I think. I haven't listened to it yet, so maybe my dates are slightly off but that's it as far as news goes um today we're going to be doing listener questions which is always an interesting experience and uh yeah so we're going to start right off with our first one uh these are on our discord which you can find in the link to the show notes so the next time we do this you could also ask yours um rabbit tank asks i've been taking a break from war machine for a couple of months what have i missed uh well not a lot, actually. Uh, so, post dynamic update, um, mm-hmm. we have seen Crucible Guard and Legion. So that's that's kind of new. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have seen previews of Orgoth. <laughs> yep. And that's, end of list. <laughs> that's it. Uh, and and when you say we've seen Crucible Guard and Legion, you mean those are the factions that are winning events now? Yes, sorry. Okay. When I say we've seen the, they're they're a lot more common. They're a lot more prominent. Yep, absolutely. Which has been interesting. Yeah, Lilith Four turns out real good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are the things that have been discovered. Yeah, I would say. Yeah. So that's that's what's been going on since like November of last fall, and that's yep. about it. So Voriel asks, "What do you hope the Orgoth bring to the meta to shake things up versus the current archetypes?" I hope they have some way to make sprays real bad. I hope they have a unique mechanic. Um, I'm hoping a way to do like corpses and souls that mm. doesn't rely on living or construct or whatever. Um, like like a like a like a like a Norse raider thing. Like they're they're collecting loot by killing things. Mm. They don't care what they mm-hmm. kill. Okay, actually, you know what? As far as unique mechanics go, I would like their Warcasters to be able to do the Bethane Belphegor thing on every Warjack in their list. I think that would oh, be like sick. Oh, like they hop? Yeah, because like the lore is that they're sort of on the boats controlling everything, right? So mm-hmm. like it would be sick if they just spent... Like if their, garb- if their offensive... Sorry. If their defensive stats were Garbo and their uh, ability to survive was like, I'm going to hop in this Warjack. And oh, that Warjack's really broke. I'm going to hop in this other Warjack. Mm-hmm. And there's like a short range that they can hop between them. Yeah, like five six inches or something like that. Maybe that'd even be three. really cool. Yeah. So yeah, you're like trying to you're like trying to kidnap this warjack and keep away from everyone else. Yeah, yeah. You'd have to put in a rule like while they're in the warjack, this warjack can't be taken control of. Like it gains immutable or something like that. But mm-hmm. 
I think it'd be fun. Wait, but I'm talking about like TK and Gallows and stuff. Oh yeah, absolutely. But I mean, what else is new? Keep your Warjacks caster, Warjack caster safe from mm-hmm. TK and Gallows. Yeah, and that and like Bethane Belfort, it's really expensive. Yeah, unless you're bet. In which case, just bait out 97% assassination runs and. Woo! Yep. Yep. Anyway, um, for MCP Homebrew, Fantastic Four, including stats, tactics, cards, and if it's truly going off the deep end, include Doctor Doom. I don't know if we have time for this, but I can't imagine they will be. So, like, quick, quick things here. Uh, Torch will be a lot like Crystal, but he'll have a lot more Incinerate stuff, right? That would be really good. <laughs> yep. Yeah, he'd be he'd be really good. Invisible Woman probably has a like she's got stealth almost certainly, and she probably has a superpower that costs a lot of energy that says you can't target me with attacks for like the next activation or two or something and like she, that. She protects other people too, right? Oh maybe yeah, she and just she'll... has maybe she just has uh, Doctor Strange's superpower. Yeah, she could have the the Strange superpower and the cable. Man, you could have Strange Cable and Invisible Woman Thanks. in a list. Here, have <laughs> six defensive dice. Booyah. Yeah. I um, think her and Strange are both. Uh, well, okay. So that's the thing I want. I want the oh, crap. What's what's the group called where it's Mr. Fantastic? The people who sent Hulk oh, the to Ilu- the planet Hulk. Oh, the Illuminati? The, the, I think you're right. Yeah. yeah. I want that group too. Yeah. Mostly um, okay, because what, what, we get a new what's the fan- start out of it. Yeah. Sorry. What's the Fantastic Four leadership? Oh, the Fantastic Four leadership is got to be it's got to be like it's got to be something about like when they be... get hurt it, or like when something happens to one of the other ones everybody else gets powered up because they all try to help them or something yeah i think it's got to be about fam- family dynamics like yep if there's another fantastic four within a certain range you get this bonus if they're too far away you get this bonus okay but like it would be cool if each one of them had a different thing right like if if johnny That'd had like insane. kid brother had... and um yeah. and mr fantastic had like analysis and gave everybody extra dice on attack or defense or something and the, the thing was like it's clobbering time and give us everybody like a throw or something like we oh, are now like they're like they all teach them each other's rules yeah like you get you get sort of powered up by the people that are around you or defended by the people that are around you that would be awesome i'm all aware right, well, that this is insane but you know so doom would have grunts right they would be the doom bots yeah he'd have doom bots 100 yeah. percent um um I, he's not really in combat though so he would have a lot of like Lasers. moving yeah he would have he would have a laser attack and then he'd have like a superpower to move opponents and a superpower to move friends so he'd be thanos yeah but we're gonna put once per turn on those <laughs> fair enough um <laughs> yeah i bet he also has damage reduction of some sort because his armor is like magical and i bet mm-hmm. he's got ridiculously high magic and energy defense and actually, I bet he's just a tank. Like, I bet he's an absolute yeah. unit. Um, um, and he's got to have the what's what's Green Goblin's? No, what's a uh, Carnage's rule where he has to like? No, it is Green Goblin. Oh, yeah, where he has to go after Peter Parker. He has to have that for Reed Richards. Oh yeah, um, Arch Nemesis or Arch Rival or something like that. Something like that. Yeah, that'd be dope. Okay. Um, that was that was JP, aka yep. Doctor Doom. So there you go. Uh, Archimedes asks, "What do you think the best way for Privateer to push and build popularity for their other IPs, especially Warcaster?" Okay. Uh, well, what I would do is I would start like aggressively um, sponsoring high-profile like content out there. So, like for example, I still don't understand why Matt Wilson slash Privateer Press has not reached out to Critical Role and been like. 
here's 10 grand or whatever it costs to sponsor Critical Role these days. I'm sure it's higher. Um, please do a one shot of Requiem because I just cannot help but feel like that would instantly like quintuple quadruple like multiply their Kickstarter intake by some ridiculous amount of money. So like that, um, that would be huge. I also think uh, they were experimenting with other ways of delivering fiction. I think continuing to do that. Um, yeah. That's how you, that's how you draw like multiple ones together and get people to switch. Yeah. Like hire, hire a voice actor and then have them like read the Henge old scrolls type things, but like maybe longer form and then put some, fancy artwork behind it and stick it on youtube like just mm -hmm. do that yourself right um and i think that's the best way to get people to connect to warcaster from war machine right because there is a in there's a fluff connection but it's it's hard to find yeah absolutely the other thing i think would be really important to do is to like sponsor um like gorilla miniatures gaming uh send souls out to him and have him play a couple of games of Warcaster with him. Supply all the models, supply everything that you need. And, you know, these people literally have many times more influence and reach than Privateer Press does at this point. So I would be looking real hard at doing that. Yep. Uh, Tenzilla. Okay, we're not actually answering this question probably, but we'll, we'll try it. Was the last large update good for the overall health of the game? Why or why not? Brett? Yes, it was good for the health of the game. I mean, that's pretty clear, right? It it drastically shook things up in a way that they like that that would usually require a huge amount of releases. And since we're not getting that, this is the best way to do it. Okay, I'm going to play devil's advocate. I don't think it was. Okay. I think it has actually uh, we've we're going to get to a point very quickly where we have solved things and they're going to be even more stagnant than they were before. Because power level in general went up because power level in general went up and model point costs in general went down. So spamming and spamming things got easier and better and bringing every single tool you need got easier and better. And there are some factions that just got way, way, way better as a result. Okay, yeah, that's fair. So that's we might talk about this at length in a longer podcast at some point <laughs> here, but that's that's our opposing viewpoints. Yeah. All right. Bringleby asks, what do you think Privateer Press should do to make Tristan 2 more viable caster? Did we skip Lothcarman on purpose? Oh, sorry. I just read the Porcinola dose. We'll go back to that. OK, sure. I'll do that one next. Um, Geez, I don't know. He needs a complete needs rework. Yeah, well, I don't think he needs a complete rework. He just needs a complete spell rework. <laughs> sure. I mean, Manifest Destiny's good. He's got that, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not crazy. Okay. I think so. Um, he he needs to pick a direction, and that's really his problem. Yeah, he's really trying hard to be, like, master of none. Also, I'm not going to step on Durst's or uh, Ammon's or Krios mm -hmm. or, like, any of these other casters' toes very much. I'm gonna his feet, like, is, his feet is also actually awful. Yes, he's very bad. Uh, in our episode last week, he was my other choice for like worst caster in the game um, that I thought about bringing on. And uh, mm -hmm. yeah, I think he's legitimately there. Let's bring up his actual card, shall we? I need to do that. Yeah. Manifest Destiny, Inviolable Resolve, Hand of the Creator, his healing thing, which fucking D3s. <laughs> Yeah, that's cleansing bad. fire, which mounts will not exist. Chasen, which is fine. 
Mm-hmm. So it's like... So we've got... Uh, the weird thing is, this is not a terrible spell list. Like, Inviable Resolve is really good. Manifest Destiny is really good. Um, Hand of the Creator is whatever. Um, so what if Hand of the Creator was, instead of control range, it was, you know, target a unit in 10, heal each of them for three? Okay, I'll raise you one better. What if Hand of the Creator stayed exactly the way it is, but it triggered off every time a Warjack in this spell in this Warcaster's battle group destroys an enemy model, this model casts Hand of the Creator for free? Free time. <laughs> How about once per model? There you go. <laughs> so, you know, you get to have a bunch of little... Like, so he's encouraging Warjack spam, which is what he wants to do anyway, because he's got Manifest mm-hmm. Destiny. Um, and, is, well, Manifest Destiny and True Sight, so it's like he wants both ranged and melee. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so your your gun jacks could kill things at range to keep your Warjacks healthy on the approach, and then Menoth Warjacks kill stuff real good in melee. And so, like, you could do these really cute things where, like, I send in this dervish. It kills this troop. That heals this warjack's arm. That warjack kills this other thing. That heals this other guy's, you know, movement. And now I can charge you. Yep. Yeah, that'd be, that would be a lot of fun. Like, does he actually need anything else other than a new feat after that? Actually, no, does, he, does he even need a new feat? Like, that could actually be a really good feat with that. <laughs> Yeah, because you want lots of Vorjax activating. Yeah, and lots of focus, like giving out free focus, right? Like, does he need a new I would feed? Pro- I would probably change Inviolable for um, Respawn, whatever it's called. Oh, uh, yeah, not not Respawn. Re-something, the War Machine version. Reconstruct? Reconstruct sounds right. I yeah, just because when you're doing that much healing, an armor buff is ridiculous, but Respawn fits perfectly because now you've got someone who survives on three boxes and you get them back up to full. Yeah. That could also be ridiculous. Yep. Cool. Yep. Yeah, that's that's how I fix him. <laughs> I was I was saving the painting question for you. Uh, okay, fair enough. Lothkarman <laughs> asks, "What do you think it's better to encourage someone getting into painting, advanced techniques or color theory?" Um, There's a, that answer's very easy. I don't want to say yes to either of those questions, though. Okay. Well, so as someone who's trying to getting into painting more, I feel like advanced techniques is more important because it speeds up um it, it speeds it, in exactly what we were talking about the last episode so your goal is to get through the painting process quickly so that you can move on to the next one and you know learn from your mistakes yeah. um so if you teach them the right advanced techniques like dry brushing like airbrushing you can get through models quicker and finish them quicker and then say okay how can i fix this whereas color theory as long as you just as long as you don't get stuck in analysis paralysis and just put something on there um, right and you can also I, like copy off of other people's color theory at that point. Correct. Um, so I'm going to go with neither of these things because what I actually think you should be doing is teaching people how to paint with a bunch of contrast really quickly. Like um, uh, not contrast paint. You not mean. contrast paint. Light and dark. <laughs> like yeah. lots of like strong shadows, strong highlights. Um, save blending for later. Save color theory for later. Just. The thing that's going to make the model pop the most on the table, the fastest is getting some really intense highlights and some really intense shadows. And there's lots of ways to do this very, very quickly. You can prime black, dry brush, white on top, gray, and then white over top of that, and then like glaze over top of that. That's super fast. It works really See well. See my Grimkin army. <laughs> yes. Um, you can also do things like uh, introduce really strong color contrasts super fast which i guess is kind of an accent uh part of color theory but it's 
not so much like we're worrying about do these things complement each other uh, each other very much and i want this to be as different from that thing as physically possible um the other thing that i would probably have a person that's getting into painting do is spend a lot of time with a paintbrush and some like water basically and just have them like draw shapes and letters on a piece of paper in water with the paintbrush for brush control like print a piece of paper with a ton of different like triangles circles diamonds letters weird looking things that have no clear beginning or ending and then trace them with your paintbrush and try to make your lines very fine because one of the things that brand new painters really struggle with and i remember this very vividly from when i started is how the crap am I supposed to do anything with this paintbrush? I can't even keep the paint inside the lines. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think that's something that we often forget about is that just doing things with a paintbrush at all competently is a struggle at first. So, okay. Yep. Um, Hey, it's another love covering question for you. So sad that Chandler's not here. I know, right? Do you think do you think a rule set supplied um, to play two hundred plus point battles in a reasonable amount of time would be a good thing in the game, whether official from PP or fan made? Um, well, I don't think it's for the game of Warm at all. I think it would be fun to uh, to play, you know, weird huge games like that. Hey, Brett, but, you know what would be perfect for this? The card system uh, card? that we talked <laughs> yeah. about in the other podcast this week. <laughs> Consider if you had to build your list in like three blocks of maybe like 70 points and then every turn you had to like build those blocks into a deck and then you had to choose which deck to activate and then you just had to activate them in the order that you drew the cards. Mm -hmm. Think about how fast that would be comparatively. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um. <laughs> okay. Oafa asks, after seeing the Kickstarter for Rivenstone, do you think Will Hungerford is going to find lightning in a bottle again, or is it looking like it missed the mark already? Brett? It's way too early to answer that. Yeah. I played one demo. Um, that being said, all the all the signs are encouraging, um, and I would keep an eye out for it. I mean, I'm investing 100 bucks, 100, probably 150 bucks when all is said and done. Um, so that's how excited I am for it. So Yeah. Uh, I think it's probably like... Okay, so here's the thing. They funded a Kickstarter. That's a big deal. They've got, what is it, 2,000 backers at this point? I'm going to double check the total. I'm going to double check. Well, I, I care a lot more about the number of players, actually. That makes sense, but... Um, hold on. Um, so me... I do want to point out that um, quarter game design, I think, was... Oh, it was... Oz? Shit, I don't remember who it was. It was, oh, it was Oz. Private Press it was person. odd, yes. It was, it was Oz, okay. Oz. Yeah, and um, Will and Faye are uh, doing, like, you know, the nitty-gritty design to get it over the finish line, which I think is what they're best at. So, mm -hmm. like, between between those two sets, I think it's actually, you know, I think you know, that that that's a good team to put your put trust in. Yeah. So... They've got 1,300 backers. They play, They mm -hmm. they funded very quickly, like within four hours. Um, they're at like almost 250 grand as of this podcast, and they've got 20 days to go. And that means that they're probably going to get another 70 to 80 grand on top of that. Mm -hmm. um, so what I think it is fair to say is 
the Broken Anvil team is doing pretty much everything right. They're putting models in content creators' hands. They're doing something innovative and new with their materials. They're advertising really, really well. Like they're putting the game's going to Penny Arcade. Um, the game's going to huge content creators on YouTube, like Goobertown Minis um, or Goobertown Hobbies. Sorry. And also the gameplay's fun, interesting, unique, and it's got a, a couple of f- fantastic twists that I think will keep it really engaging. And so they're doing all the right things. I think that it has a very high percent chance compared to other games to come out and start being a very healthy, established sort of game system that will endure, really. Yep. Next question. Uh, Jay Jackson asks, what is some janky nonsense you've been thinking about but have yet to play? Hmm. Okay, so hear me out. I want to play Six Shadow Horns with Kaya 3. (laughs) All right, I'll hear you out, but I will hate you. Okay, so, and then you have Kruger Zero, naturally, with like a World Weird and... um, a stalker and a feral and i think that all fits actually um but maybe it's not eight eight shadow horns or six shadow horns but it's like four uh and the idea is very simple you or you know what this would also work really well with chromac one um you use the shadow horns to chuck things at your army and then reposition away to be annoying with their animus up and then you kill the things that you chucked at your army with your stalker or your feral or both and then you pass the turn, maybe under feet, with everything contested by, like, def 15 goats with dodge. And they have dodge, right? I'm not crazy. They do have dodge. I assume that's their animus. It's, like, half a circle animi. Well, it was something else, and then they changed it to dodge. And I'm 99% certain that it's dodge, so I'm just double-checking. So I'm Yep, not Shadowhorn's have elusive. Okay, cool. So, uh, and then you have, like, and they're all def 13 base, yes? Yeah, so you have def 15 under feet, things with dodge everywhere. They also have set defense. Um... And you've just gotten, like, your most powerful things beaten to death by stalkers that are six inches or more away from where the thing was. And uh, it sounds awesome, and I want to play it. <laughs> um, I want to play Barnabas 1 again. I think he's only gotten worse, but that doesn't stop me. <laughs> I mean, he is like there... one of your babies. Yeah, and if there's this much shooting going around... That's true. Although, wait, does Swamp uh, thing make it so that they can't target you or so that they automatically miss? Uh, it's can't target. Spray still work. Boo. Boo. All right. Um, what's, Squalish asks, what six plus point non-Archon solos do you still consider putting to a list? And why do you think lights or Archons fit this points window better than the six point solos for most factions? Um, um, I mean... Boomhaller 3 is in a lot of lists that I play. That's, that's true. He's he's very good. I think Boomhaller 2 is still excellent also. Yep. Um, Gabriel Throne, very, very good in a lot of lists. Merked into a lot of uh, Signar lists. I think he's worth playing. Um, Alexia 3. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Uh, yeah, Alexia 3 two. and Alexia 2. Both of those. Really? Is she is she five points now, the 3? I thought she was always that cheap. I don't she think I might, ever paid for her. I, yeah, she was always a requisition option, <laughs> option, so I never even thought about that. Alexia, too, for sure. She's very, she's, very she's good. Five. She's five. Okay, yeah. well, f- fine then. Um, Alexia, two is six now. What happened? There? I know, and she's a requisition option in a couple of Green Forces' madness. Um, 
Yeah, she's barely seen. Um, the, the question here is, um, I do not think in most cases light warjacks are better than modern 6.0s. Yeah, like the exception would be like the Charger, the Dervish, the Firefly. Is that it? Stalkers? Terrorizer. Terrorizer. Yeah, because like not even, I mean, I guess Scarsfells with Kruger yeah. Zero are pretty good. That's true. Um, I don't think the Trollblood melee lights are particularly insane. I mean, they're decent, but they're not insane. Um, and Trolls don't also have access to a lot of these really strong six, seven, eight point solos. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. All right. You're up. Big Womp asks, which Pharaoh casters do you feel are underrepresented or have a new lease on life post update? They're all underrepresented. Yeah. Having said that, uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure that any of them have a new lease on life. Yeah. They, I, I think it's like the update actually was worse for them because um, between Barnabas Zero and the buffs, like the Pharaoh have fallen further behind. Like I'm finally at the point where I'm taking Rask over Arcadius. Right. Yeah. And I think the other problem is that their special theme force also has a lot of trouble casters in it. And those trouble casters are really good. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure. I'm trying to think, I guess like Helga, The, yeah, that's also say the correct answer is Helga two and Brawl Machine. <laughs> yeah, and Helga one and Brawl Machine, and and that's kind of the annoying thing is like I think at Brawl Machine all of the Pharaoh casters are pretty good, at Maybe. minimum. Okay, I think the next question is we're gonna answer with a Pharaoh caster. Oh, yep, yeah, we are, um, <laughs> but uh, you know I I just at seventy five points they're kind of rough. Um, yeah. Yeah, which is one of the many reasons that I've been enjoying Brawl more and more lately is because I just feel like there's so many more viable things at that point level. Um, Boy, is that a weird statement? That's a weird statement. Anyway, uh, Tough Check asks, if you had to make a list with two Sea Kings, what would you consider? And is the answer Helga 2, Brett? Oh, I was going to say Carver. But he doesn't actually... I guess he's got Batten down, but his feet doesn't work on them. Sure. So you just take him for Batten down? Yeah. Okay. Hmm. I'd still take Helga 2, but fine. one one of those. <laughs> definitely one of those. I mean, mm-hmm. I think it's one of those. I don't think it's Grim anymore. I don't think Grim 1 is, is the correct caster for two Seekings because they just don't have the ranged output to, to warrant yeah. that. But um, yeah, I think it's Helga or it's Carver, and I don't think it's particularly close. All right question for Jaden. <laughs> Aklas Rain asks, have you tried painting with oils? If so, what do you like and what don't you like? Um, so I've painted some canvas paintings with oils and that's it. So I can't comment, but that being said, some painters that I think are excellent rave about them and I want to try them really badly. The problem is you need completely separate brushes and completely se- separate setups for that. And I just don't really have the space right now. So maybe over the summer I'll like throw all my acrylics in the garage for a week and be like, okay, you're not coming out. And then I'll just paint with oils and see what works. Um, But for the moment, I haven't tried them on minis at all. Yep. Panda555 asks, what do you feel is lacking within each faction? If nothing is lacking, what do you feel that faction could use to make it more viable? 
Uh, can't answer that here. We can't really answer that, but I will just say that most this is a commonality. I think a lot of factions are lacking answers to Crucible Guard, Retribution, and Legion. Yep. Yeah. Um, Mass asks where to start with War Machine and Hordes. What's a general good first couple purchases, or what good deals to start the game with? I'd start on War Table. Fair enough. I mean. Um, but if it has to be in person, then like the secondary market is very, very nice to be a War Machine player t- as far as like buying things goes. So I would I would start on the secondary market somewhere. I would also suggest um, looking at Phil's articles on our website. Oh, yes. Um, the, the the primers. Very yes, because he, he for every theme force for every faction, he mm-hmm. has a list um, and talks about ways to change it or upgrade it. Yes, absolutely. Uh, he also asked where to find decent good war machine terrain that isn't 2D or 2.5D. I think the only good answer out there is the bulldozer terrain pack, which I think you can get on my mini factory now. Um, but maybe maybe it's still only Kickstarter. It's like the only thing that I think is like really evocative of the Iron Kingdoms and also really easy to play on. Um, he also wants to know how do throws work? No, no, we're you got enough questions. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, um. Mazog okay. Choco Choco. All right. Oh, well, okay. So Mazog asked about Ribbonstone coalitions and I talked about, uh, Oh yes, we, we covered that on the last, the last podcast. You're right. Yes. Uh, so Choco asks, what are you hoping to see from the Brawl Machine team championships? Um, models, factions, more teams, repeat winners, wink, <laughs> uh, any ideas or previews of scenarios maps to be used? Um, so that's hopefully okay. going to be running in July. First of all, yeah. That there's there's would the you, time frame. Would you argue that uh, Brawl Machine's in a pretty stable state right now? Brawl Machine's in a pretty stable state. I'm probably going to kick the hornet's nest a little bit and try out a couple of changes to maps. Um, and th- there's also the ever-present threat of me actually getting off my butt and making a new terrain packet. Because uh, that's <laughs> a thing I'm really seriously considering. Um, that would be cool. That would be cool. Um, and yeah. w- there's no real bugbears i don't think no i don't think so no probably not Uh, as far as like certain factions showing up i'd really like to see more um more hearts of darkness being played i think that theme is actually ridiculously strong now and Mm -hmm. uh people should be playing it especially at low point levels some of the things you can do are really cool um i would i it was capped at 32 last year i think we got to 28 teams I will probably open it up for more than that, but with the the world starting to open up again, I just don't see an online event getting that many more players. That said, um, at some point, I'd really like to organize like a Brawl Machine Team Championship at Elvio and just have that mm. run on like Sunday or maybe maybe the Friday. Um, I think that would be really fun. So that that would be a future goal of mine. Okay. German asks, what are your most happy and cherished memories that are connected to War Machine and Hordes? Any interesting stories or funny anecdotes to share? We just we just linked to our, was it 200th episode? Oh, yeah, our, like, our fond memories episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a good one for sure. Um, no, although I'm not on it, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> no, your face isn't. That's true. <laughs> um, I will say, okay, I, I will throw a thing in there that I that I didn't actually talk about on there because it wasn't relevant to the three of us so my mm-hmm. brother lives down next near chandler and uh when he moved down there i i connected the two of them and they played 
uh, in the same D&D group for a while. And so one day Chandler goes to pick up my brother at for D&D and he gets in the car. And after a few minutes of silence, he looks over at Chandler and he goes, so is Jaden actually good at War Machine? And, you know, I've always just been like, aw. Because, <laughs> yeah, like, how would he know? Like, his context is just what yeah. he sees. And, you know. And what you say. Yep. Yeah. So that's always been my, like, one of my favorite, like, funny anecdotes about War Machine. Is it's like, my siblings know that I like this game a lot. They're also dubious that I'm anywhere near as good as I think I am. <laughs> anyway. Um. Okay. So, Gentleman yep. Wizard asks about um, 75 points being an appropriate point scale. Um, I think we're going to cover that soon. Yeah, so uh, spoilers, this is probably next week's podcast topic. Um, and we've yeah, got didn't opinions. Didn't want to do it tonight, but I'm yeah, didn't want to do it tonight, but I'm like, no, we, we need to make a full episode about that. Yeah, I, I really want to talk about this. I think it's really, really important, and I also think that uh, it needs to be talked about. Um, we're not probably going to get to his question about fixing Legion of Steel because that's an entire episode on its own. Oh, yeah. We, we have discussed doing that for each faction. Yeah. It, it, it's something our patrons really want us to do, and we will maybe throw in like one or two a month um, that, mm-hmm. that we will do. So. Nightflyer says, my wife and I recently bought a house. Congrats, guys. And now that I have space, I'm getting into woodworking again, and I'm looking for ideas for gaming accessories I could build and or potentially sell. What are some accessories you guys would potentially be interested in? Um, so that depends a little bit on what you have. If you have a laser cutter, that's very different than, you know, bandsaw, lathe, um, traditional woodworking tools like a table saw and skill saw and all that stuff. If you have a laser cutter, you can make uh, custom branded widgets, which I think everybody likes. Uh, flags with like game club names on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, things like that tokens potentially too if you can make some really cool custom tokens and price them competitively people will be interested if you don't have a laser cutter the thing to do i think is probably dice trays and oh definitely and the reason for this is because the only real like name brand dice tray out there is wormwood and their trays are so expensive now um if they hadn't sent me one to review back when they were just getting started and i was just getting started i wouldn't own one they're they are so expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, uh, you I, could also do like dice towers or like um, mm-hmm. backgammon cups. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I would personally be really interested in a line of sight like engraved leather bottom dice tray. That would be sick. I'd love that. All right, you All get right. To, you get to ask Iron Shepherd's question. <laughs> so Iron Shepherd, in a way we appreciate, is trying to kick start up some drama. Uh-huh. Um, so he asked about updating site and response to community and social media. I don't know anything about that. I'm going to skip that. Um, listening is more suggested from the community. Clearly not. But I, I like the question, if Warcraft is a Kickstarter, do you think it'll be negatively received by the community as a whole? Why or why not? Okay. So um, <clears throat> I'm just going to touch so on the I first think... two questions real fast because I, I want to respond. Okay. So uh, up, efforts on updating their site, I think it's going – I think it's going – much slower than it should be, it's, but it's also harder correct. than people think it is. Yeah. Right. It, like, yeah, it, it should not be as public facing as it is. Right. It should not have been a huge deal. Like it has yeah. been. Um, I do not think that they're actually actively listening to suggestions from the community. Um, I think they are listening to some, I think they probably are 
not in a position to act on most of the things that the community wants. Um, let's talk about the Kickstarter thing. Speaking of which, well, um, it's going to be a Kickstarter. They've basically it's gonna be a Kickstarter. That. Yeah. Well, even if they hadn't confirmed it, it's the only way to compete with Alliance. Yes. Yeah. Or so is that, it is, is going to be a distributor. A, yeah. Alliance is the distributor. Yeah. So it's going to be a Kickstarter. Like they said this on, so they said this on Facebook and then I think they deleted the post, but it's going to be a Kickstarter. Um, will it be received neg- negatively by the community as a whole? Why or why not? Brett, I'm going to cower so out here and make f- you respond first. So this is the first time they would ever release a War Machine faction only in a Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Um, people don't love Riot, Riot Quest, but mm-hmm. I think it doesn't have anything to do with the Kickstarter model. Um, mm-hmm. I think if it, you know, if it's just a glorified pre-order and it still goes to retailers and all that. So I think players are going to be fine with being the Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Uh, retailers are going to be pissed. They usually are. Retailers are going to be very upset, yes. Um, all right, so here's kind of my <clears throat> napkin math. Let's say that they kickstart this at $100,000, which is kind of where I expect it to be because that's sort of like the place that you go. Um, and let's say that they do a starter box at $200, which is what the Legion one, or the, the Infernals box was at, and probably a little bit more than that because inflation and blah, 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 blah. So the quick napkin math on that says that they need what five hundred people, mm-hmm. right? Just to to clear that goal at, at that price point, and it's probably less people than that because they actually um, are going to be people who like buy the whole faction, right? There's going to be blocks. people that buy the whole the whole faction that's available, and if the whole faction that's available is everything we've seen, which is like two or three units that are small based, a couple that are medium. Well, no, they're all medium based, but like two or three smaller units, two or three bigger units, a couple casters, like four ish war jacks, and a big solo and a couple small solos. I bet all in on that is like eight nine hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, but. But so I think the actual number is more like three, four hundred people, maybe to, to fund it at that level. The thing is, if we look at their Kickstarter numbers, the last Warcaster Kickstarter got nine hundred and thirty nine backers. And that's for an entire game of four factions. And the original Warcaster Neo Mechanica Kickstarter got two thousand three hundred and thirty backers. And the last Kickstarter that they ran, they had to cancel. I don't know. Like, I don't know if it's going to fund. I think it will probably be received okay. Like, the idea of it's, like, people are grumbling, but they're, like, okay with it. Like, they're just like, oh, well, that's how it's going to be. That's how it's going to be. I think it's going to further alienate retailers. Um, I think I am personally uncertain if it's going to fund. And if it does fund, I'm not sure how well it's going to do. I don't know if there are, like... 500 people in the world that want to play Orgoth at this point, based off what we know, it'll depend on a lot of things. Like, are we going to see the full rules for them? We've been seeing like random snippets of rules so far. Are we going to, is the Kickstarter going to have other faction stuff in it? That would be a way to make sure that it does fun, by the way. Um, Mm -hmm. Like if the Signar stuff that they previewed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But this is another problem. If they put Signar stuff on Kickstarter, 
that's going to make retailers even more annoyed because that's like a real main faction and traditionally they've they've had the the monopoly on that and there's a lot of people that think that seem to think that a retailer being able to back at the retailer level is like the same thing as being able to order it through distribution but what i think a, pe- a lot of people don't realize is that that's just a lot of money that the retailer has to put up front that they don't recoup for six months to a year and well, not- and they have to hope that all of their customers are not going to do the Kickstarter themselves. Right. Yeah. And so that requires a good amount of coordination that not every retailer has among their customer base. So I don't know. It's hard for me to say that I'm super optimistic about this Kickstarter because I'm not, but (laughs) it could, if they, if they put another faction in there, like that probably instantly does it as far as like funding goes. But again, it has all kinds of problems attached to it. And I think that they're still probably weighing those out, honestly, if I had to guess. Okay. That was a long answer. <laughs> Moving down. Uh, Beist, uh, you're asking about standard game being 50 points. We'll talk about that next week. Um, Mapadabe, I'm assuming that's how that's pronounced. No says, idea. With the current incarnation of Steamroller being four years old, five points up, zones being for types of models, what kind of innovations do you think that could be done within Steamroller? Well, since Brett's not jumping in on this, um, I think if you want to see what I think could be done with Steamroller, you can look at Clash Machine. Because mm-hmm. uh, I did a lot of things that I think Steamroller could easily do. Um, specifically things that I think are really uh good about clash machine are that it completely eliminates flags because tracking them the contesting the the scoring uh, all of that stuff is the most cumbersome and annoying part of the steamroller packet at this point um it adds new rules for like small scatter type terrain that both makes the board more interesting to look at and to play on um i also added a ton of scenario elements because frankly i think steamroller is quite boring at this point um there's not a lot to say about it it's a very clinical sort of static system of things um and i think that there needs to be a pretty huge evolution of that game system pretty soon yeah but a lot of the things i want to do to steamer will require changes to the core mechanics which <laughs> yeah like what hit me well, like um, having things that you can take and move around. Um, oh, like zones you can move around. Or like like things you're trying to pick up and that, like, oh, make like a having better, having like, extracts. Okay. Yeah. Not that. Not the Marvel Crest doing a great job with extracts, but that's fine. <laughs> yeah. No, that would be really cool. Or like um, even as even simple simpler than that, if the areas you held did something cool for you. Yeah. Right. Like they've kind of got this with objectives, but objectives are so static and they've been so very careful with them lately. You know, um, oh, I hate objective. <laughs> I think that rule is terrible. Yeah. I think objectives are not a great scenario element, but like what if you control the zone and pick a model in it and it gets some benefit, right? Like that. What, cool. what if, if you control a zone and everyone in the zone gets cover? Sure. Yeah. Like maybe there's multiple types of zones and you get to pick which one yeah. you're going to be having on your friendly side at the beginning of the game. Right. Like I want the cover zone or I want the free charges zone or I want the, um, you know, these are just examples, but or, or the I heal for one point at the beginning of my activation zone. 
Um, you know, stuff like that could be really cool. So yeah, I think there's a lot to do within steamroller that, you know, could be done. Uh, Richie asks what song evokes the most nostalgia for you. I answered this in the chat, but let's take me home country roads by John Denver, Brett. Um, so I, (laughs) I'm living this. So I just broke down and I got, um, iTunes or whatever it's called now and just loaded up with all the music from high school. So that's what I've been listening to. Mm. (laughs) So, uh, was it Nightwish, um, Delane, uh, Dragon Force. Nice. Okay. Uh, Uh, Wolf Axe, what is the biggest or best advice you can give to a mid-level painter trying to improve? Um, contrast. Like not contrast paints. Oh yeah, we talked about that. I'm not sorry. contrast paints. Yeah, we talked about this, but it's also worth worth mentioning. Um, when I was the first time I went and took an actual painting lesson with Matt DiPietro, um, like, and I was a, probably what would be considered a mid level painter at that point. His his like instant critique was for me was like, you're pretty good at colors. You're pretty good at blending. You need to look at your models with a, an eye to contrast. And I was like, oh. And I've been pushing ever since then, and it's really made a difference. So um, he's also got the same question, but for player, um, uh, I go ahead. Memorize, right? So you can play faster. So the, the more mental load you can take off your turn the by just having numbers memorized, um, the, the easier it is to play. Yeah. And also have like routines built into your turn, like this deploying within range of this and know those routines so that you also like Basically, if you can do your first turn in like two minutes, you're probably in a good spot for that. That's the kind of like knowing your list that you need to have. Um, Also, be really, really cognizant. I was going to say uh, a good way to do that is to practice by yourself. I think that's something mid-level players should be doing constantly. Just play your first two turns. And we have some really, really sweet data-ish, driven-ish, sort of kind of proven um, (laughs) things on our website from when i did that coming into crucible guard earlier this year so if you go look at those um that's it's i think they're called like tournament prep tips or something like that you can search for them on our website um nope those are those are definitely trolley questions so is that so is that oh i like gentleman wizards next question why don't you ask that well it's your turn is it my turn? Okay. If the entire cast was transported into the Iron Kingdoms and magically transformed into your Iron Kingdoms equivalent, what would you be? I.e., what would your IKRPG version of yourself be? Uh, I think I would be a Cephalix. Don't have to go outside. You got, <laughs> you got a race of willing servants. <laughs> you can travel wherever you want. Mm-hmm. You get to, get to meet, make lots of friends. Sure. In some cases, you're making friends. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's fair. Uh, Chandler would be some kind of Menite and a pretty high-ranking one at that. <laughs> oh, he'd be a Mon, right? He's, he's getting he's getting swole. I feel like he'd be more like Krios. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Um, I would probably be in the Order of Illumination, if I had to guess. But, I mean, realistically, I'd just be some dude. So there's there's also that. I don't know. I don't have high aspirations of myself in a D&D uh, 
like setting. Boom. I think I think my stats are like very very average with like a fourteen intelligence. So see that's why yeah that's why you gotta go for Cephalix because you know all the all those terrible physical stats. That's mm, fine. I can look mm. at that. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Expected. Yep. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. God, can I ask the trolley question? The flogger one. Yeah. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> Do you think making tier lists for factions um, actually hurts more than it helps? Yeah. It's it's a great so um, making people angry, negative attention draw uh, draws a lot of clicks and views, and if that's what you want, then that's a good way to do it. Um, it doesn't provide a ton of useful information, um, mm-hmm. but it is very fun to do. So I don't blame them for doing it. Yeah, I, and like I don't know, I don't think that they are ever presented in a way that would actually be helpful. Like for example. There's a big difference between I I, like I claim to, that I like this is point, like the way it is. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I like to put out that we've done this, so we're guilty of it too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, but I think there's a big difference between like presenting it as it as this is like the definitive, this is how this is kind of thing, and there's then presenting it as like this is what I think based off of my perspective as a this kind of player right mm-hmm. contextualizing it is really important and so is not over hyperbolizing it um because yep. yeah and and just saying like you know based based on my experience i have you know if if your meta is different if you have a really good x player and i've never played into it maybe i'm wrong about that yeah absolutely um okay these are some really good questions that we should probably take some time to talk about Benep has a bunch of questions. We're going to tackle them in a little bit. Of, we'll probably tackle them in order. Where specifically do you feel like the complexity of War Machine comes from? Um, for me, I would say it's because of overlapping synergies and because model price, model placement is so demandingly precise. I think it's, those are the two most like, this is why <laughs> this is harder than other games. And it's the two things I like the best. Yes, and I think they're wonderful, but I also think there may be like slightly too much of them. Well, and remember, remember, remember the rule of thumb when designing a game. If I like a mechanic, it needs to go. <laughs> That's fair. Um, another <laughs> thing that I also think that adds to the complexity of War Machine quite a bit is the attack sequence is excellent, but it's also um, really punishing because you have to make all the right target priority choices or else you just don't have a chance um other games kind of force you to make those choices based off of like either the weapons or your opponents get to like make those choices for themselves and so the games are balanced around that um next question is are the rules themselves a bit outdated specifically in the way they are written or does the complexity come from the fact that private press tried to make them as clearly slash unambiguously written or as possible regardless of their success in the subjective oh i think the way the rules are written is perfectly fine Hmm. However, I would make this counterpoint or this counter like inside of that. I think that they are organized in the rule book really badly. That's true. Like, um, you have so to go I, to four I, different places to know how a throw works. Yes, right? and the uh, jump to rule section of worm uh, um, doesn't work. Mine does. It just jumps you one page too far, so you have to scroll back one. Okay, that's better than mine. Um, <laughs> So I think the the core concept of how they write the rules in, in like, you know, words have meaning and they have a consistent use. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's I think that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, there can can they be improved for sure? Yeah. Um, 
next question extension does the complexity come from the amount of choice possible consequences that can arise during the game itself there is a lot of that um definitely for sure like overlapping synergies as we mentioned are a big deal um so it's it's interesting to compare it to alternating activation games in that the complexity is less you know deciding order and making the right decisions that way and more planning three moves ahead also uh war machine allows you to change both your models and your opponent's model stats in wild ways that no other game at its scale does. If you compare that to like Warhammer, the most that you can do is like make your opponent's models slower or less accurate or less likely to hurt you. Uh, in War Machine, you can literally make them impo- unable to do their core functions by like turning them around or knocking them down or making them stationary or, 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 or. There's a lot of those kinds of things, which are really cool, but add to that complexity. Okay. I'm going to rephrase his question, his next question. Sure. Um, what core mechanics would you change to simplify the, simplify the game without taking away what we like about it? Um, so some of the things we did in Brawl Machine, like some of the ancillary scenario stuff, like objectives are a great example of what I would get rid of. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, um, some things like, um living caring about living our undead or um mm-hmm. uh like elemental types mm-hmm. um are some things that I would put on the chopping block I would uh I have actually a thing that I want to try at some point I would remove some of the facing penalties for example I think you should be able to attack whatever the heck you want um like like you can attack things in all parts of your base but I think that if you had it such that you could only charge things in your front arc or like maybe you always like you get the backstrike bonus if you're in the back arc still i think that would be an interesting way to make those still relevant rules but not overwhelmingly like up oh, you're like a tenth of a degree off of your rotation there so you can't see my model to attack him right mm-hmm. like i think i would that, also go sorry thought you were done no, no I thought you were done. I'm pretty much done. Like that that was just okay. I was going to reemphasize. I I would overhaul the scenario uh, the terrain rules. Oh yes, 100%. Um absolutely. I agree. Just ground up, redo. <laughs> yeah. Uh there's there's no reason that you should ever have to measure and calculate half distances for any reason at all. Um yeah, and the height thing. The height thing uh absolutely volumetric m- measuring is wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Uh it's really hard to to abstract into terrain um adding ways yeah, to just make verticality finding heights good. like yeah <laughs> like just having you know small bases are this tall so terrain is either small based height or medium base height or whatever mm-hmm. yeah something like that um and then also i think that there's probably a lot of very finicky things that happen at the beginning of the turn that don't need to be there like um Agents. No, vengeance isn't even that egregious like the timing of continuous effects oh and then focus and fury replenishment um mm-hmm. frenzy checks uh when you allocate how like things like that when shaking happens those are really precisely timed for reasons that i don't actually think are any good like for example i think the warcaster no i don't even like the way warcaster does it here's what i would do for um, continuous effects uh, they have baked onto the card of the thing that does the continuous effect how long that effect lasts and then it's done 
So like maybe a Menite Warjack has like fire two on its ranged weapon. So it, the thing is on fire for two turns, like until mm-hmm. your two turns from like your next two turns, like until your second turn from now. Like it gets two fire tokens and loses two one fires. Turn. Yeah, two fire tokens lose one at the beginning of each turn and takes a POW 12. Same thing for corrosion. Like that, that to me would be a way easier way to do that. You don't have to worry about like the timing of this. Like, and you can just say like, this happens when it, ha- like choose when it happens, right? But it's so much better than, does this go out? I don't know. Um, that, that is true. That kind what, of thing. What? Yeah. Oh, we're also getting rid of D3s, right? <laughs> yeah. Just scrap D3s. Randomness is fun, but not there um okay and then uh, he asks about he he says that uh yes if war machine warcaster neomechanic has succeeded in simplifying war machine no i don't know that i agree with the premise of that question they're different games completely yeah i don't i feel like they they weren't based on each other yeah but i will say that i think warcaster neomechanic is actually more complicated than war machine Yes, there are, it takes way there are thousands more decisions points than War Machine. Yeah. Um, uh, I think so. Next question is which rule sets are well balanced and written to lessen ambiguity? They're all really well balanced and written to lessen ambiguity. Um, maybe Warcaster oh, outside of PP. No, oh, outside of PEP. All right, sorry, I was looking at inside of P. I thought that said inside of Predator Press. Yeah. Um, well written um, as far as balance goes. I think Marvel Crisis Protocol is pretty good at both of these. Yeah, they just don't care about balance. Yeah, that's true. But they're really so, well that, It's not that they don't care about balance. They don't care about competitive players. Right. But the rules are still pretty pretty well balanced. Yeah. Um, and, and they're really well written. Um, yep. I think Riven... Well, we don't have Rivenstone's rulebook, so we can't comment on that. Yeah. Uh. You know, I think Games Workshop's game is getting better balanced every year, but I don't think it's written in a particularly unambiguous way. So there's that. All right. And then could Warm Hordes benefit from less abstract scenarios? So someone was talking about Scenic Stream Ruler, where you replace zones with terrain. Mm -hmm. I thought that was a a really cute idea because it's just it's really easy to do a one for one swap there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think they absolutely need more interesting scenarios. And I'm, you know, there's lots of ways to do that. We've talked about a few already and we've talked about a few on other podcasts. So yes, Mm -hmm. they, they need to diversify what scenario looks like. Um, magic, the gutler and color code, each war machine horse faction. That's too long. Most of them. Um, I just like to point out that, uh, I came to the conclusion that this morning that, um, circle Orbros is, mechanically like how they play on the table blue red they're very control strike out mm-hmm. and get something yeah, and controlling and yep. but their fluff is very green uh, green black right yes where they, it's plagues rebirth um yep. nature yeah yeah so i mean i, I think I, that's the difficulty is that unlike in magic where they're the emotions and the mechanics are linked together the that just doesn't have the same ratio yeah Absolutely. Like, and I think the other thing is most of the factions have some amount of red in them in the way that they play on the tabletop, which is hard. Sure. Just Just because, because the game's also alpha strikey. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of that. Um, could scenarios be modernized? We've talked about this a little bit. We'll probably talk about a future. Oh, this is a good question. A part of that. What are a few ideas you might steal from other games to make scenarios more interesting while still rewarding skill? Um, so, this would be really hard, but I think secondary objectives 
would make War Machine a lot more interesting. And because War Machine is so clean, they could absolutely be written to be really unambiguous. Well, I I like our idea of just adding a rule to every scenario, to every uh, zone. Yeah, that would be a huge deal. Um, okay. Also, get rid of flags because they suck. And <laughs> and uh, I will die on this elevated piece of terrain that does not provide any defensive bonuses whatsoever. Um, <clears throat> I also think that uh, you know some. I think like. As nice as it is to just be able to say, like, win by five, I think some differentiation in points, like granularity in points, would be more interesting. Because the thing is, I would like to design a lot of things that give you, like, half a point, right? Because I think they... Or, really like, uh, something that's really difficult to score, but scores more. Right, exactly. Um, I also think, and this would be crazy, but it'd be really cool. Uh, imagine if... Warcasters came with a quest like the the heroes in Rivenstone do. Something they're trying to do. It'd be mm -hmm. it'd be cool if uh character warjacks did the same. Sure. Yeah. Like you. Like actually, no. Here's here's like, how you could like Rune wants to eat a spell. <laughs> yep. Yeah. 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 But like, okay. So hold on. I just had a I just had a brilliant thought. What if mm -hmm. this was the secondaries? Mm -hmm. All your characters have a quest at the beginning of the game. You get to pick like two of them. Oh, okay, and and if you only have two characters, you have to do those two. Yeah, and th that's your secondary right there, and it accomplishes the same thing. But you can build it into your army. Yep. Yeah, I like. Yeah, I like when you have to. You get to choose it ahead of time. Yeah, that'd be cool. Secondaries are so hard to balance. Yeah, they are, but <laughs> it'd be cool. Right, or relic knights screwed up so bad. <laughs> that game has traumatized you in so many ways, Brett. Oh, it. It set me on the path of wanting to design games because it it fell so flat on its face. That's fair. Thanks, Relic Knight. I'm reaping the benefits of your <laughs> bad decisions. All right. Um, Moops is pulling a hungerford on us. Yeah. Uh, he says, "What is the question would you that you guys would like to be asked to discuss?" So. I want to talk about the process of, you know, picking picking a game to enjoy, picking a game to commit to, like all the costs and benefits of it. It's just like that's what I'm trying to figure out right now, and it's just mm -hmm. I have no idea how to go forward with it. Yeah, that's fair. Um, what would I love to be asked about? Oh, okay, this is going to be really maybe dumb, and it would be hard to talk about, but I would love to talk about. I would love to be asked about and get to like spend some serious time looking into the benefits of wargaming as far as like developmental um, mm. cognitive growth and and things that and like benefits that they provide not just outside of like mental acuity but also social um, social mm -hmm. performance and growth and developmental markers and cues that are really important that adolescents right now aren't getting very much of. Um, I think that would be fascinating. I think that's a thing, like, honestly, things like this, like War Machine, have such absurd application to the development of children, mm -hmm. and none of them are tapping into that. Like, 
the second a game company makes a game that fulfills like the common core reading and mathematics standards from grade for grades like one through five and markets that to some state government and gets them to adopt it as curriculum, they've just made it for the rest of time. It doesn't matter if they drop the contract in 10 years, they will have made so much money off of this that they Actually can do whatever they good. want and done something really excellent. Like consider <laughs> the skills. filling my table with models. <laughs> I mean, it could do that too, but like consider the sheer amount of words that you need to understand in order to play these games. You have to understand how timing works. You have to understand the concept of three-dimensional space really well. You have to understand how probability works in order to be good at them. Like, I think you could, I haven't actually like tried yet, but you could absolutely write a, a war game that would cover every single grammatical, mathematical, um, linguistic requirement for at least one grade level. And I would just love to see what that does. Because the other thing is, a war game is by na by its nature a social thing. And kids today are not getting enough face-to-face -face social time without other distractions. I think it would be fascinating. <laughs> I didn't know I had that in me. Thanks, James. <laughs> um. Then... Finally, Tragnarok asks, how important is community engagement to content creation for a niche hobby like tabletop war games? Are different forms of engagement more valuable? Um, <laughs> is lurking great? <laughs> uh, and also, how important is that engagement to us as individuals compared to our content as a brand? Um, all right. I actually kind of want to talk about this now that it's been brought up. So... Um, Brett probably doesn't know most of this because I'm the one that handles a lot of this kind of thing, but yeah, nobody talks to me. <laughs> yeah. Well there's yeah. Um, so out of every hundred people that listen to the podcast. So out of every hundred listens an episode gets, we might get one comment and that's if we're lucky. I think on average, we're sitting at about a thousand listens, like a thousand episodes of listening before somebody makes a comment on that episode to us. Now they, they might be mm -hmm. talked about in other places, but that's, that's the level of engagement we see. Um, and I'm specifically talking about war machine here. Um, and it's really interesting how much that has made making content for other games very quickly skyrocket to the top of mine and Chandler's list of things we want to do as we've made content for these other games and got an instant engagement from other people. So this is like the personally, how does it affect us kind of thing. Um, it is energizing beyond words to have somebody want to talk to you about something that you said on the podcast and like why they thought it was cool or why they thought it was wrong. Like those are yeah. fascinating conversations too, as long as they're not like flaming. Rude. Right. <laughs> um, but radio silence is so absolutely discouraging and it is standard though it is standard well i don't know if that's true honestly <laughs> really yeah um so like looking at other game systems their podcasts get quite a bit of engagement mm -hmm. like 
if you look at Marvel Crisis Protocol podcasts, get posted in Facebook groups. There's always several comments on those. If you look at uh, Warhammer videos and things, like the ratio is much better than one to a thousand. It's like one to 50 or one to 70 or one to a hundred, somewhere in there. Um, you know, there, it's just really interesting to see how that has happened. Um, now, as far as like engagement as importance to the brand, well, I mean, that's just kind of how everything works now. Like the more engagement we get, the more likely Facebook is to uh, recommend our page to other people to look at the more engagement that our podcasts get, the more likely Apple is to recommend it to people who like wargaming stuff. Um, the more engagement the podcast get, the more likely Spotify is to do that thing, right? Like it's, that's how it works. And so commenting on things, liking things is how that happens. Like we can only shout as loud as we can shout before we either run out of energy or people tell us that we're annoying and we should stop. Um, but you know, the signal amplified by other people engaging with the stuff is, is really what drives it out there and gets it, um, to other people. So, and then that's one of the things that, I don't know, maybe we've done a bad job of this, honestly, like maybe we have, we, we rarely talk about like, make sure you like, and subscribe, or make sure that you like share this with your friends or like, we don't do a whole lot of like, we're great. Please talk about us to your people. Um, and maybe we should have been, I don't know, but I also kind of think that that's not why we started this. Like mostly we started it so that we could talk to each other about things that we thought were important. <laughs> um, and that's kind of always been what we are. Am I wrong about that, Brett? I feel like that's kind of like our, our sort of created ethos. Yeah. Something. It was like, we wanted to talk about it. We wanted an excuse to talk to each other every week and we thought other people would be interested too. Yeah. So, I mean, and spoilers, we are going to be making a pretty big push in the second half of this year to like expand the brand. And maybe that will require some things to change about that because we're going to have to care suddenly about like who's looking at our stuff. When are they looking at it? Where are they looking at it on? How did they get there? Um, and I don't know, that's going to be an interesting journey all on its own, but you know, we haven't really tried that very hard and maybe that's why there's such a dearth of reactions. I'm very much spitballing mm -hmm. here. So that's fine. Yeah. It's kind of where I'm at. Cool. Yeah. All right. Let's do it. Yeah. I mean, we're gonna, we're, we're gonna do that. It's going to be interesting. Um, so that's. That's pretty much all the questions. There's a few that we skipped because we didn't have time. There's a few that we skipped because we uh, didn't feel like that they quite fit into this well, particular podcast. There are a couple we skipped because the trolling level is just too high. Just slightly too high. Um, and there's a few that we're going to talk about in full-length podcasts mm -hmm. very soon because they are topics that we think are important. Um, but if you want to have influence over podcast topics every month, what you should do is you should subscribe to our Patreon because... Our patrons get to vote on those topics every month, and they're also the most awesome people in the universe, which is why they get a special cool colored name in our Discord, which you can find in the show notes of this podcast, and you can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash LOS War Machine, 
Brett, was that or was that not the smoothest segue we've ever had in this that was, entire podcast? That was by far the best. Yeah. Um, you can email us at loswormahords at gmail.com. You can find our Facebook page. It's just line of sight. And you can message any of us there or on our Discord. We're all pretty chatty and we love talking about stuff. And until next see, week. See our previous answer. <laughs> see our previous answer. And until next week, uh, we'll, we'll see you later, everybody. Bye.